beyond the beginning! Apes together! Strong! Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And once again, no Matt. He's on a secret mission. Yes, called teaching on Thursday nights. Yes, that is a secret mission. (laughs) Once we record the podcast, right? Oh, man. Well, this is... is, Let me speak for Matt. It's killing him. It is, yes. Not to see all these movies. Yep, absolutely. This is episode 21 for the week of July 14th, 2017, and this is War for the Planet of the Apes week. Yes. So we'll get to that in our next segment, but I thought we would just, maybe you're listening to the film Coterie for the very first time. Adam, how would you tell folks, if they just happen to catch us, what is the film Coterie? We haven't done this in a while. Um, We're just a podcast. We see movies, we review them, we try to do some other fun segments. And we just generally love movies. I don't say any of us are really critics. We go in and I think we try to actively enjoy the movies we watch. Yep. But there are some stinkers too. Uh, you know, I like to consider this a podcast for people like you and me. And our and, and some of those out in the listening audience as well too, you know? It's we're we're not professional movie critics, but we enjoy a lot of different kinds of movies. We like to talk about movies. We're you know, used to be in the olden days you'd call it water cooler discussion about the movies. Um, but we just love to talk about movies and we hope you do as well too. And we hope you enjoy our podcast. We generally talk about the movies right after we go outside the theater, stand around, talk about them. We've just moved it indoors and started recording it. (laughs) Absolutely, man. So let's go ahead and uh, jump right into our news and notes for the week. What we got, Adam? Tarantino is working again. So Uh, that's what I've heard. The hateful eight, his next movie, which was supposed to be his last movie ever. No, he's he's still got oh, more. Okay, <laughs> I forget how many. He has a specific number, and it's escaping me that he says he's going to do and then retire. Okay, fair enough. His next movie is a Manson family murder movie. That's all we know about it. It's certainly an interesting story, and he's going to get his choice of who, the who's who to play in this movie. I don't think anyone really turns down Tarantino. No, and I wouldn't either. No. You know, he's a great director, and his movies... Whether you love him or hate him, he makes movies that are worth watching. I'll say that much, you know. And I, and most of his movies I've really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of my favorite directors. So, only thing we really know, the Weinsteins are producing it, as always. Of course. And one of the main leads is going to be Sharon Tate. Interesting. So, it's going to focus on both the Manson family and the victims. Yeah. And it's great era for music. Absolutely. And you know, Which, you Tarantino know how he's, plays around with yes, it. Yes, he's into his music big time. Speaking of directors I love. Okay. We saw a surprise trailer tonight for The Shape of Water. And that's Guillermo del Toro's next flick. I I didn't know what to expect. All I knew is it's a Cold War movie set in the 60s involving a aquatic creature. And he called this a small movie. And from the trailer, it looks great. It has this kind of fun 60s vibe. Dude. Great set designs. 
and a creature that very much looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Dude, totally 100%. I was just very intrigued after this trailer, and I thought, I want to see this. I got to see this movie, you know. And it had a fantastical element feel to it, didn't you know? And, of course, it's Del Toro, but, you know, it just had an a just... Man, it just had his fingerprints. This is his kind of movie, you know? The guy loves monsters. Yes. He has a real soft spot for him. All of his monsters are sympathetic. Yep. So we have a mer-creature imprisoned in a government lab. Yep. They trailer seems like they specifically find a deaf woman to come clean and work in that area. I don't know if he has some ability that might only affect those with hearing or something. But they become friends. Yeah. And then Michael Shannon's in this movie, who's always great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But the trailer leaves a lot of questions. But I'm very excited. It's out soon. It's out this fall. I, I'm excited as well, too. Looking Sometime forward to it. October, November, yeah. somewhere no, It was there. October. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be great. What else? What else? What else? Uh, oh, Matt Reeves. Yes. So in the DC universe, he's taking over Batman, the Batman. And he's thrown out Ben Affleck's script, is the word. He's starting from scratch. That's a good sign. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, at this point, we haven't reviewed Apes yet. I'm a fan of Matt Reeves. And I don't think it's a bad thing that he's putting his own touch and not just taking what was handed to him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank goodness that DC is allowing him to do this. This is the first time I've seen them take their foot off the gas. Yeah, they're letting him have time. He has five months from now is the way the story broke to write his script. They're not saying it needs to be out next Christmas. They're not putting a deadline on him that's too harsh. So do you really think the critical response to some of the DC movies is actually affecting them, even though they continue to make hundreds of millions of dollars? Yes, absolutely. The, they, they reacted immediately to Batman versus Superman. They changed the tone of Suicide Squad, and they allegedly changed the tone of Wonder Woman, too. Interesting. And that turned out great. Yes, Wonder Woman was a, was a good hit. Absolutely. Anything else, man? It's kind of a slow week. I it's mean, the summer. It's it is summer, summer season. I mean, those are yep. the those are the biggest stories from the week. All right. Well, let's take a break and come back, and we will review our spotlight film, War for Planet of the Apes. Okay, it's Thursday, so the movie we saw this evening is the brand new War for the Planet of the Apes. This is the third film in the modern Apes franchise, and the second film to be directed by Matt Reeves. Uh, it returns most of the principal ape cast with Andy Serkis and uh, the rest of the ape actors who yeah. have been uniformly great throughout this series. And if you haven't seen it, this is a mocap movie, except a lot of the sets are real. That's the difference between this and Avatar. Avatar, you're watching mocap with CG backgrounds. These are actors on set in real environments that are then transformed into their ape counterparts. I think this is the future. We witnessed the future today because doing mocap as well as it was done, and we'll get into some of that with our thoughts on the movie, but seeing motion capture done so well in real environments, that was what I think brought this movie, you know, made it better than Avatar. 
Yeah. And it wasn't just this movie. The whole series has involved mocap out in yep. the real world. In the first movie, it was primarily just Andy Serkis until he meets up with the other apes in the sanctuary. Um, this one has the most apes we've ever seen on screen. There's a large colony now. And I guess if you haven't seen the franchise, we're moving towards what we saw in the original Charlton Heston one. Right. Except it's a slow process. We're seeing the evolution of the ape society. Yeah. They're, they're laying the foundation for what we saw in the original 1968. Why their interpretation of why it ended up the way it did. Now, this is not a spoiler for the 1968 movie. No. No, you know. So I, I'll, I'll lay this out here. If you went and saw the 1968 Charlton Heston version of uh, Planet of the Apes, he travels into the future, 2,500 years into the future, and lands on this distant far planet, and apes have evolved instead of humans on this planet, on that planet, excuse me, um, Apes have involved instead of humans, and they're at the top of the food chain. Humans are pets. Humans are pets. They're like apes. They're they're animals. You know that kind of thing. And um, you know, spoiler alert. Here we go. I'm going to spoil the 1968 movie. The end of the movie. Charlton Heston discovers he's actually on Earth, and that and mankind. Now in that series, nuclear war has happened world war three happened nuclear holocaust happened and humanity wiped itself out and the anim- the apes evolved into the superior race so in the first one in this series which was rise of the planet of the apes we learned that humankind is creating a cure for alzheimer's yeah they're testing it on apes and suddenly there's a side effect now do you remember the very first trailer for the first movie and the reaction it got because i do no, the very first trailer for this movie got a really bad reaction because they called it the cure, and it, the whole trailer built up to the cure, and it got such bad backlash from the internet that they immediately re-released a second trailer where they said yes, it's, and, and they removed the whole the cure phrase, you know, which I thought was very funny at the time. But anyway, go ahead, Adam. Yeah, so the cure has a side effect in that it's making the apes smarter. Um, especially their offspring. Caesar's born, he's named Bright Eyes, I think, and his owner, James Franco, names him Caesar. But right. Then the other half of the movie kicks in where the turns into the simian flu, and it's fatal to humans, and you, the apes have to escape from the city and make their way to the woods in a mass exodus. Yep. The second movie then jumps forward in time. and To the point where the apes are even wondering if there's a human still left alive. They haven't seen humans in a while. Haven't seen them in forever. They have their own village. And they come into contact with humans and they start working together to repair a power plant, I think. <laughs> the humans, the apes are living near a power plant yes. and the humans want to turn it on. Things go bad. There's an ape, Koba, that does not trust the humans. Nope. And kind of takes a war to them. Yep. And the humans fight, and the apes fight, and everyone loses. Yes. And this uh, dramatically affects Caesar because he realizes the apes, even though he's trying to create a perfect society, guess what? With higher intelligence also comes people that are going to be some good and some bad, you know? So it's interesting, and I saw this a lot with this movie today, the way they use the apes as a way to just have commentary in general on society, you know? Um, and so, you know, this movie enters, and this is not a spoiler at all for this movie. War starts with um, 
Caesar still wrestling with some of those choices he made in the second movie, you know? Well, he had to break one of his own rules. Like, Batman doesn't kill. Caesar used to have a rule, ape, not kill ape. Yes. But he had to kill Koba. Yeah. To save all the other apes, you know? Absolutely. He's still struggling with that. This movie starts relatively soon. Yeah, uh, eight years, it said. I thought it said in the opening credits it was eight years later. It was 15 from the initial offset. I forget how long it was since the last one. It didn't seem Maybe. too long. It didn't seem too long at all. No. This one, his, yeah, his youngest is still a baby. Because you see Cornelius in the last one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this one isn't too far away from part yeah. two. And it's a direct continuation. Yeah. The war has escalated against the humans and the apes. And the apes are on the run. Yep. You see a lot of this in the preview. And... I mean, I don't. This movie is a good journey because it changes its tone kind of throughout. It opens in a war movie, kind of becomes a western, kind of becomes a road picture for a while. That's that's kind of the western feel yeah, I had. Yeah, that revenge. western. Okay, I would call it more of a road. Yeah, sure. western road kind of feel. Um, and then <laughs> becomes the apocalypse. Yeah. Apocalypse now at the end. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it, bleak. it gets really big and bleak. You know, this yeah. is a bleak movie. Um, the yeah. comedy relief is there but lightly applied there's a new character named bad ape um he's the funny one i mean that's the only comedy in the whole movie that's it and it's not much it's it's the right amount i would say it's a little bit of pressure release but not over the top so i don't want to we're going to do a spoiler cast on this probably yes i I think so because there's so much i want to talk about about this movie that i can't without getting into major spoilers the previews they show you a lot of imagery, but they don't set up the story. This went in some unexpected directions for me. Very unexpected for me, too. If you think of a trailer as jigsaw pieces, I was aware of some of the major pieces. I just didn't know how they fit together until I saw the movie. I think I think it's really well assembled, and there they, are a lot of surprises in this movie. It did not assemble at all like I thought the trailer led you to believe. If I was put, I was, if I would have put this movie together based on the trailer, it would have been a much different movie than I saw, which I love that. Yeah, I didn't know where it was going most of the time. Uh, let's talk about the performances. So the two leads here are really Andy Serkis as Caesar. Yep. And then Woody Harrelson as the colonel. Well, I, I'm going to just – and we, 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 we both looked at each other. After we walked out, we said, this was a good movie, wasn't it? And I'm like, yes, it was. And I'm going to say it right now. Andy Serkis deserves a Best Actor nomination for this for this role. He is incredible as Caesar. He really has even taken his – which I thought his performance was great in the first two. He just went to a whole nother level with it. I wholeheartedly agree. Andy Serkis deserves a Best Actor nom for this movie. It's his performance. I mean, he's motion captured in there. But the range of emotions that Caesar has to go through. Yeah. That's all him making this character flesh and blood before us. He's not there, but you believe it. Well, if you've ever seen the mocap process, especially with Andy Serkis... There's like a thousand dots on his face. They're literally recreating his performance only as an ape. So it's not like he just gave the voice and the dialogue for this movie because there's, it's his physicality and now he's acting. This is the most Caesar I think has ever spoken in one of the, in the movies. Yes. I mean, he, his preferred method of communication is, Speaking, he also does sign language like the rest of the apes, but right? Mainly speaking, yeah. Now, I did have a question a couple of the other, a couple of the apes who 
um, did sign sign language one of the time. Then at one point they stopped and actually talked a little bit. Do you think every ape has the ability to talk and they just prefer the sign language? It's been kind of left in the air. They can, but a lot of them choose not to talk and prefer the sign language. Right. They can all it's talk. It's kind of I a think. more subtle communication, like a kind of a, I don't know. But I found that interesting. It left me questioning, can they just all talk, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so Andy Circus, and we talked about this earlier. I mean, if you see any of the behind-the-scenes pictures, he's in these gray pajamas. But he's in the woods. He's on the horse. He's doing everything. Everything. And the nice thing about this movie is once it starts going, movie starts with human soldiers. And then quickly the apes come in. And like within the first minute, you forget you're watching CG characters. Totally. I Yeah, within one to two minutes, I, I, I think from the opening role, I had forgot it was CG. And I'm just watching an acting performance. This is one of the best... <coughs> looking special effects movies of all time i mean yep. they're flawless absolutely the one ape i always call out is the most convincing is the orangutan maurice he's the moral compass of the whole series yes he's the ultimate good guy yes he's very compassionate he's got a kind face which they yes. enhance to make him more appealing a, he's such a hulking creature too. he's a gentle giant he's a gentle giant absolutely he just exudes warmth and love and compassion and you know, yeah, absolutely. And he looks, I mean, it, you, I could not tell it was, that was not an orangutan. They're CG for Maurice. If they just inserted it on the planet Earth for a scene, I would wholeheartedly believe that was a real orangutan. Yeah. Some of the chimps, you can kind of tell because their faces are a little more human. I think just because they're talking more. Sure. Maurice doesn't talk as much. No. Mainly sign language. But all the apes actors are great. And then let's talk about Woody Harrelson. He's the bad guy. He's the colonel. I, you know, I totally expected him. My, 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 I've liked him in some stuff and not liked him in other stuff. And he has a tendency to overact. And I thought, oh, he's the lead. He's the villain. He's going to just overact. And I'm telling you, he did not. He, I think he nailed it. I, I was expecting him to be the weak link in the movie. And he wasn't. I thought he was super strong. I thought his performance was great thought his performance was believable there was even there is an exchange and of course this is not a spoiler and we're going to do a whole spoiler cast you're going to get another episode where we're going to spoil everything but i think you see this in the trailers or it's alluded to you know there's going to be a scene where the villain and the hero are face to face and they're talking to each other well that happens in the movie and there's woody harrelson is such there's a subtlety to his performance and an understatement and a matter of factness. I mean, it's just, he was transformed by events that happened in the second movie and, and during the time of the change with this, the, 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 the simian flu, you know, and, the, and, the, and all the, all of the, all the humans dying off. And I mean, you know, his performance was great. I'm just saying it was really good. I was worried. I mean, they need a bad force in these movies. I was worried he was going to be a little bit of a retread of the Gary Oldman character from the second one, and it's different. It's refreshing. Totally different. These are all characters that have been through a lot. I mean, this is kind of an extinction-level event for both species, and you know they have to adapt. They have to survive. You totally believe that Woody Harrelson began life not as a villain. You, I, you know, he wasn't just born evil. Yeah. The events of life have shaped him to where he's made decisions that he felt was the best 
for the human species. And that came across, you know? Oh, man. And the nice thing, too, is that they respect each other. There's an interesting... These are two generals. Yep. Both leaders of their people. Yep. And they're both curious about the other one. He's constantly impressed by Caesar's intelligence because he's been hunting Caesar. He just hears reports, you know, from survivors saying what Caesar's like. And when he finally meets him, every time they have an exchange, he's impressed with how much Caesar has figured out or how much Caesar knows. Because he's probably underestimated him. I mean, yeah. you know, what is a smart Abe? No, yeah, absolutely. And he's curious about Caesar. Caesar is a leader who sends survivors back to him. His mercy. So uh, it's just interesting to see the two leaders kind of study each other once they're in person. Yep, I agree. And I thought there were a lot of really cool themes. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but a lot of really cool themes. There's war on multiple levels in this going on in this movie. You know, there's, you know, both of the hero and the villain are battling inner an inner war within them. You know, because of the decisions that in their past that haunt them. And I, I can't believe Adam. We're sitting here talking about a Planet of the Apes movie. It's way better than it has any right to be. Dude, we're sitting here talking about a Planet of the Apes movie as if it is a, I don't know, a Spielberg or a, or a Chris Nolan drama. I mean, you know, this is this is a dramatic movie. It's it, it's The movie's great. I'm telling you, I, I can't wait. We have really, we've just hit a stride here with movies. I'm telling you. This movie tonight was great. I can't wait to own it. I can't wait to watch it again. Can't wait to watch it with my my kids. Great movie. And here's the thing. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to think what other summer sci-fi blockbusters, which is what this is, treat their material with this much respect and intelligence. This is a smart movie. It's got to be Matt Reeves' touch. It, he's got writers. It's he, not just him. But yeah. A, yeah, but he is one of the writers of the movie, and he's the director, and... He knows how to guide the ship, man. And that's what I felt when I saw Arrival. I'm like, this is an intelligent, mature yes. movie. It's not playing dumb to its audience. I like the character motivation. Same thing in this one. The writing is great. I never felt like the characters were making a decision to control the plot. Everyone was making decisions that they would, that I believe they would make as They the were characters. very natural decisions. And no one was doing anything stupid. Y- yes. Yes, absolutely. It's just... <laughs> I just I'm sitting here chuckling because I can't believe we're so gaga over a Planet of the Apes. I mean, I went in with a high bar because I liked the first one. Yeah, I did too. I loved. I thought the second one was better than the first one. I loved the second one, and I went in with like, man, if he can hit this trilogy and bring it home, this is going to be awesome. And he above and beyond exceeded my expectations for that movie. Granted, I've just seen it an hour ago. I still think this is the best one of the three. No doubt. I, I, I agree. Too. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. It's like he's just hit his stride. He's gotten better. Reeves has gotten better. And, and Circus has honed his craft. And whew, what a great movie. I wish Matt was here so we could vote this sucker right into the hall, to the Film Coterie Recommends page, you know. Yeah, and the, I think he closed off this trilogy better than Nolan did with Batman. Because, I mean, my least favorite <laughs> movie of the Nolan Batmans was the third one. Uh, mine too. Yeah, I thought the second one was the highlight of the yeah. trilogy. So this one, each one got better, and it closed on a real high note. Yeah. So what else with war? I, we're going to get into a whole spoiler cast, but you can tell if you're listening, you can tell that we just both really loved this movie. We thought it was great. It's top of the summer. It's up there for me. 
Yep. AIDS different than Wonder Woman because totally different. It's a different vibe. I loved I love this movie, but it's not a fun movie. That's the no. thing. This one is bleak. It's dark. Yep, absolutely. But it's just so well crafted and everything else. I mean, I, I highly enjoyed it, but it's hard to enjoy such a bleak movie. But yeah. you do. I mean, you just yeah. have to respect the craft that went into this. You know, like Spider-Man and Wonder Woman, those were fun rides. Uplifting. Uplifting summer movies. This was an intense drama that you 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 were so glad you saw it because it speaks so much to the, the human condition and the, way, the, the, uh, the ends to which people will go when pushed to the very end of themselves and the questions we all ask ourselves. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, what would you do if you were pushed to the end and it was just you and, and a couple other people? And what, I mean, what, what would you do? How far would you go to survive? You know, what decisions would you make along the way that will haunt you? And this movie hits all of those notes. It's very emotional. And it was, I got teared up a couple times. Yeah. I mean, I got water in my eyes a couple times during this movie. For CG monkeys. Over CG monkeys. <laughs> but that's the emotional intelligence it has. It's showing us characters that we understand their motiva- motivations because we see what they've lost. These are all damaged characters. Yeah. Yeah. No one wins in this movie. That's the thing. There's no victory condition. It reminds yep. me of the Dunkirk trailer yeah. that victory is survival and that's what this is in this universe at this point yeah and i i think there's a character that's introduced and we won't we maybe won't get into that character we'll we will in the spoiler cast for sure yeah but um there's a door i think still open for not a sequel but another set of movies are an extension i mean you could i literally think you could do another trilogy easily that wouldn't feel like you're just baiting for money because there's a whole rest of this world to explore and to open up, you know? But this thing is a nice closing book piece. Yes. It's not It's not going to leave you on a cliffhanger. <clears throat> no, no. It, it wraps things up fairly nicely. Yep. And if he never does another Apes movie, yeah. you can say that's, that's a, a, honestly, a great trilogy. <laughs> this, these are so good, it may all just be downhill from here. Absolutely. Especially if he's not coming back. We don't know. I mean, Reeves may be done in the Apes yeah. universe. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's gonna get some. He's gonna get a lot of good work after this movie. I can tell you. He's like, I mean, just like Dennis or Denis Villeneuve. I mean, this guy. This is a guy I want to see making the big budget blockbusters, just because he's got such a good voice. He's, his instincts are all correct. Yeah. From a storytelling perspective, he's got the right instincts, and nothing ever feels phoned in. I mean, this is not cookie cutter assembled. This is legit great movie. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up War for the Planet of the Apes. Any, any If you can't tell, Roger and I would obviously recommend this movie. Absolutely. Without uh, even a second's hesitation. Not even a second hesitation. If I walked up to a stranger and they said, should I go see that War for the Apes? Yes, go see it. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into our summer June movie review. We're going to grade our movies we've seen for the summer. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. All right, and welcome back, and uh, you're listening to The Film Coterie. It's time for our June movie grade. 
at the end of each month, and as uh, soon as we can into our next month podcast, we review all of the uh, new releases that we saw in the month previously, and we grade them A, B, C, D, and F. The dreaded F. The dreaded F. And we, yes, we have given out Fs before. And I, I like to even do A plus, A minus, B plus, B minus, C plus, C minus, you know, because sometimes a movie might be a B minus, C plus, just kind of almost there. But, you know, so I don't know. Are you more black and white, Adam? A, B, C? I am, but my grades are probably a little bit tougher because what I want to do is a movie I give an A is a movie I love. B's or likes, C or eh, it's okay. D, bad, F, terrible. Yeah. That's okay. kind of my scale in my head when I'm grading these. Yeah. I guess so, maybe I'm more of the, uh, you know, I can't really decide if this is a C or a B or a B or an A, so I do the minus and the plus. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no minor. Like it, love it, yep. meh. Well, let's go ahead and get let's just jump in here. Adam, let's start at the lowest grade and work our way up. Did you have any Fs for the month of June? I do. I do uh, have an F. So give us your F. It would be The Mummy. I really dislike the movie. Uh, if you've heard me talk about it before, there's nothing I want more than Guillermo del Toro working in the Universal Monsters universe, that's, giving us a Frankenstein. Yes, that's your wheelhouse. You love that stuff. And every time Universal does just such a crap job with the property, the studio execs are always going to take the wrong lesson. They're not going to look at The Mummy as a bad movie, which it is. They're going to see it as, look, audiences don't want to see the Universal Monsters. They always take the wrong lesson from these things. Yeah. Uh, none of the movie made any sense. Did it make any money at all? No, it was not well received and kind of a critical commercial flop from what I've seen. So it's a, it's an F for me. And I'm telling you, if they would make an A monster movie, it would be a huge hit because people love all of those monsters. Yeah. Okay. I did not have any Fs. But I only saw four movies, and like you saw 10 or 12 or 15. I, I saw nine new ones okay. in June. <laughs> so how about a D? Did you have any D movies, Adam? I did not. I don't have any D movies. I did not have any D movies either. Oh, so you had a good month. So I had a good month. All my movies are, at least at this point, C or higher. So I'll go ahead and go this time first. Uh, the C movies. I did have one C movie, and that's the movie that we reviewed last week, Okja. And I put it at a C minus. Um, I think you should watch it. I, I, I didn't. We didn't decided not to recommend it. You know, well, we couldn't because Matt wasn't here. But yeah, it's different. Um, I liked this. The visual effects I thought were really good. I thought you know above average. You know quality. But the story and the movie and, uh, and and the smashing of kids' movie and adult themes and language and gore and violence. And I was like, ah. So it hit at about a C for me. So uh, how about you? Did you have any C, Adams? Yeah, I had two movies I gave Cs. First one was Okja. I agree with you there. It couldn't find whether it wanted to be a juvenile movie or an adult movie. It was just kind of a mess. And... The message was so heavy-handed. There was no subtlety there. No. It's Special effects were good. Yeah. Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal was terrible. Yep, terrible. So it got a C for me. Okay. The other C pains me to give out because I wanted to like this movie, and I did not. It was The Bad Batch. Oh, yes. So, I remember you talking about it. Yeah, no, I mean, going into Fantastic Fest last year, 
one of my most anticipated movies, and I, I just didn't like it. It bounced right off me. Okay. All right. That's it for the Cs. Now we're getting into B movies. Did you have any B grades, which I would consider above average? Yeah. Above that's average. What I'm doing. Not great movies, not perfect movies, not super awesome movies, but just above average good movies. Did you have any Bs, Adam? I have three B movies. Well, you do one, I'll do one, then you can do your last two. Okay. So for my B grade, these are movies I'd recommend. I'm looking at my list. I recommend all three of these. I like them. They yep. just weren't the upper echelon for me. Yep. So my first one was It Comes at Night. Okay. Uh, it kind of came and went from the theaters. I think the marketing was off. I don't think it was selling the movie that it is. It's kind of a psychological thriller, survival yeah. horror. And, and also a movie dealing with grief. Yes. And the only reason I know that is I heard an interview with the director. And when we saw, you guys laughed at me, but when we saw the trailer for It Comes at Night, I was like closing my eyes and wouldn't watch it kind of in the theater, you know scaring the snot out of me. But when I heard the director talk about what he was trying to communicate, the message of it comes at night. I wanted to go watch it because these, these horror movies sneak up on you and they have some really cool themes. Yeah. I, I liked it. I just think it was sold in the wrong fashion to American audiences. This wasn't a movie that usually the horror crowds, the mainstream horror crowds would like. It's more of a slow burn. And I always hate when they advertise something as the scariest movie of all time. They did that with The Witch. The Witch wasn't a scary movie. It's a good horror movie, yeah. but they market it wrong, and people go in with a different expectation, and everyone doesn't meet yeah. that. They're like, oh, that stunk. Absolutely. Okay, I had one B movie, and that was Cars 3. Um, loved. I liked the Cars series a lot. Um, you know, My review was that last week I mentioned Cars 3 in yeah, the review. Yeah, I think so. Uh, above average. Maybe not quite an A. They didn't really hit it out of the park like I like the Toy Story movies have for me. Um, but I would recommend it. So I gave Cars a B. Where, what would you rate the other Cars? Just briefly. I mean, was this better, worse, equal to? Uh, I like the first one the best. Okay. The second one I thought was was had one scene that was so funny. Me and my family fell out of our... Well, I didn't go see it in the theater. We saw it at the house, and me and my family fell out of our couches laughing. We had to stop the DVD. We laughed so hard. And so just for that scene alone, uh, I liked the movie. The rest of it was really formulaic, you know? And then this one just tried to go back and recapture some of that underdog, and I don't know, just... It was good, and it was... I mean, Pixar production quality, you know, so it was top notch and it had a good story in it. It very much handed the message to you with a little bit of a sledgehammer as well, too, you know, but it was a good movie. So I gave it a B. Okay. So my other two B movies, uh, the first one would be The Beguiled. It's the remake. from Which I really want to go see. Yep. The remake by Sofia Coppola and with Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell and Kirsten Dunst and Elle Fanning. Um, this is a good remake. I, this is a remake of the Clint Eastwood. I've not seen it. I have to confess. Yes. I've not seen the Clint Eastwood one, but I knew the story. of it's it. It's a hit or miss. People either love the original or hate it, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the love the original one category. So yeah, I like the beguiled. And the other one that hit a B for me was the little hours. Oh. I saw this at the film festival of Columbus. It's about the nuns with the potty mouth. It's kind of an off tale. I mean, it kind of reminded me of Nacho Libre when I saw the preview for being kind of that that yeah. kind of strange, and it's sure. not. It's It has a sweeter core, kind of a sweet message to it that surprised me. And it's funny. I laughed at this quite a bit. Okay. So Little Hours got a B for me. 
All right, then that gets us up to the coveted A position, movies that you just loved and thought were great. I know you have two A's because I've done the math. I have two A's, yes. I share those two A's, and I have a (laughs) third movie that also I will give an A. Well, let's go with our first one that we have in common, and that's Wonder Woman. Yep. And uh, it, at the time of its release, was my favorite movie of the year. It uh, knocked Get Out off the pedestal there and loved Wonder Woman. Um, just loved the message, loved everything about it. So A+, plus, um, you know, just just a great movie. For you, Adam, as well? Yeah, Wonder Woman's on my list. Great movie. Highly recommended. I mean, I give it an A. It's one of the better superheroes I've seen in a while. Yep. And then we get a movie called Baby Driver. Just a short time later. Just a short time later, and I don't know if it will knock Wonder Woman off its perch for me personally as my favorite movie of the year, but I'm going to tell you right now, Baby Driver is a near-perfect movie in every sense of the imagination. It's the closest thing to a perfect movie I've seen in a long time. And this may blow some listeners' minds. This is your first Edgar Wright experience. It is. I, I mean, like, I can't believe I haven't seen all the other ones by now, but I've had a crazy busy time at, at home. But the, at the same token, this is the most different Edgar Wright movie ever made. So so maybe I'll hate the other ones. The I don't others know. are kind of cohesive. They, it's like Wes Anderson. You know, you see a Wes Anderson movie, they're all like. Right. Edgar Wright was kind of falling into that trap. His movies are very similar. And Baby Driver something new for him. So It is that's why I can't say it. nothing is like Baby Driver. That's unique. You've seen yep. that. But yeah, you got to jump into his other stuff. I, I can't say enough good things about Baby Driver. I've seen it twice now. I like it a lot. It's top three Edgar Wright for me. And I'd, I'd see it again tomorrow. Yeah, me too. So that And then you have another A, Adam? I have one more A. Okay, let's hear it. It is The Big Sick, which is the true story of Kamal Nanjiani and his, his now wife, Emily Gordon. It's a rom-com. So, yes, I bought a ticket, went to see a rom-com, and I really like this. This is a Judd Apatow production. Yep. And it's a great movie. I loved it. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I can't wait to go see it. All right, that's going to wrap up our June movie picks. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, if you get a chance, uh, send us a message on Facebook at The Film Coterie. Go to our website, filmcoterie.com. Let us know. Give us some feedback if you think you agree or disagree with our picks for the month of June. And it was a great month for me. I mean, any great month, month, I can yes. get three movies I absolutely love. So yep. I'm happy. Absolutely. All right. We'll be back after the music. You're listening to The Film Coterie. segment here we want to talk briefly about a new filmmaking experiment sure i don't know the better way to describe what that's this how is. i would describe it if you've not heard uh director neil blomkamp who gave us district, Studio, district nine district nine elysium and chappie right has created a what he calls an experimental filmmaking lab it's called oats studio oat like the food o-a-t-s right you can find this on YouTube. They have a Twitter account, too, that's at Oat Studio. Just go on YouTube and search Oat Studio. And you get all of their, I don't want to say shorts. You get all their films, these experimental yes. Yes. films. 
um, I watched them all, and I'm curious I, about this project. I have so many questions, and I've tried to read articles. Yeah. I'm not really finding any good answers for what this Oat Studio really is. Maybe we could reach out to Neil and see if he'd do an interview with us. I don't know. He, he's testy with some journalists. <laughs> they... Uh, <laughs> They misconstrued what he said about Chappie and his own feelings about that movie. And he got in a lot of Twitter arguments over the last two months. Okay. So we definitely got to get him on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe. <then. laughs> so these are, I didn't call them shorts because they don't feel like a complete work. Right. A lot of shorts that I see are what you'd expect, a short feature. They have beginning, yeah. middles, and ends and tell a story or do something. Yeah. This is not that. This is more techie. Like a what did I call it earlier, a tech demo. He's great with special effects. These show off a lot of special effects. Yes, but these are not great stories. It's like a bunch of VR games got released. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I watched them and like, you know, there are I think four twenty to thirty minute, sh- minute short scenes that he shows. Um, which to be honest with you, outside of one of them, all seem the same to me they all involved a lot of goo and blood and guts aliens and, gore and, and aliens and monsters and you know it's just one sit in the past and you know they're they're sitting in different areas and times and stuff um so he it's like he's showing off look even with just a you know a couple million dollars or whatever look what i can do with a little bit of money the quality that i can produce yeah and there's no doubt i mean his first short that i saw was alive in Joburg, right which is before district nine which is really yeah. well done yeah and he um you know he has these little um infomercials that play between those and the first one i laughed and thought was pretty funny and then it was just the same horse trick every single one cooking with bill yeah cooking with bill yeah that's those are all strange it's the same joke over and over again that they're gonna cook something and then it's gonna be gross yeah and so I'm they like, did four of them and they're yeah so you know i you know i go to youtube and check them out oats studio let us know what you, i don't even know what's his intention is he trying to get into the movie or do you know what his he's, intention is he's trying to land these as projects i mean i don't i don't know that a major studio is gonna bite but maybe an outlet like netflix hulu someone might give him 10 20 million I mean, the guy has made District 9, Elysium, and Chappie, which are all pretty big productions. I but can't they believe- went downhill in quality. In my yeah. opinion, I mean, he started the best with District 9. District 9, what I thought was great. And the opposite end of the spectrum, Chappie's by far is worse. Yeah, and so maybe, I can't imagine Netflix or Amazon wouldn't just snap him up to do a feature. Yeah, I mean, he works great on a budget and does really good special effects. The one... Oh, what's it called? Zygote. Oh, budgets don't matter to Netflix. <laughs> no. Well, they finally canceled. You need the shows. 150 million. Here you go. Netflix, when they heard about how expensive their own shows were, they went and canceled everything. I know. It's so they, funny. They canceled the Get Down. They canceled uh, Sense Eight. The Get Down had to be the most extremely <laughs> overpriced. Overpriced. I mean, when it's out, when it's costing more than Game of Thrones on HBO. Netflix didn't realize that until they read the articles about how much they were spending. Oh, my gosh. That, so, that tells you a lot right there. For the shorts, uh, these films, one is called Zygote. Right. Which is the thing. Yeah. It's it, yeah. It's two people trapped in a lab. Yep. 
in the cold north, I think. Yep. It's freezing outside. Yeah. And there's a monster that's a combination of other people hunting him. Now, I love the monster design. The monster was unlike anything I've seen in a long time. It's all human parts, mainly arms and hands. Tons of arms and hands. And a whole bunch of eyeballs. And it's, yeah, it has all the people's eyes on this stock torso yeah. <laughs> thing that it moves around. And it's hunting the two people. And that's the one that Dakota Fanning is in. Right. Again, it's straight up the thing. Just a complete ripoff. Yeah. But great, great monster. Sure. The longest one he did was Raka, Raka, R-A-K-K-A. And that's the alien invasion? It's alien invasion, yeah. a little bit District 9. Yep. Human resistance versus the aliens. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver's in this one. Yeah. Not a whole lot, but she's in it. Probably three scenes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of formulaic. I mean, just, not formulaic, but just kind of like, okay, here's the scene out of the movie. Out of a two-hour movie, here's 30 minutes of it, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, but that one was more cohesive, though, because it was following <laughs> one scene, follow the next. Yeah. And it overset the And it w- had to cost some money. Yeah, these things look expensive. I, that's why I was curious about his budget. I mean, he could have spent a million on Raka. Yeah, e- easily. There's lots of sets and outdoor stuff. I mean, I just don't know what the, – and there's a huge crew. I saw the credits. I, I don't know what he's spending on these. He's not selling them. They're available for free on YouTube. I don't so know. So I think he's funneling house money, his own money, into audition tapes. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. But, I mean, I'm glad I watched him just to check it out and see, you know. Um, and we'll see. We'll keep we'll keep our eye on this on this bird here and see how it develops and see what comes of it. And if it births into something, we'll give you guys all, we'll let you know, you know, on the film coterie. And the other one I'll mention is one called God. Yeah. It was a three-minute It was the comedy. best one of all of them I saw. It was funny. Funny. Uh, Charlotte Copley, who's been in District 9, uh, and the other movie is that he's God. Yeah. It, it has a good sense of humor, and it's short and sweet. Yep. I liked it a lot. Very good. And it looked like God has an AR table, like what Microsoft is going to be selling us with the hollow lens. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it's free. Check it out on Oat Studios. Tell us what you think. Um, we might talk about more if he does more. Currently, Volume 1 has been released. I think those are all the things he's filmed. Yeah. So we'll see if anything happens with it. Absolutely. All right. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up with our coming previews. What, what's, what's ahead? You know, coming attractions. You're listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back right after the music. All right, and we're back, and we have one thing to get into before we do our coming attractions. Um, Adam and I put feelers out on social media and our website and stuff about movies that exceeded your expectations. And, and War War for Planet of the Apes definitely exceeded my expectations. Which were admittedly high. Yes, and it even went above that. And so we put out on Facebook and, and Twitter and our website, what are movies that you have seen that have exceeded your expectations? So did you get some feedback, Adam? Yeah, um, I'll start with a couple here. Uh, a friend, Chris, wrote Cars 3, which you talked about tonight. And then another friend from college, Sajel, uh, she mentioned the current Ape series, the current Star Trek series, Lincoln, which I agree with her. Lincoln from Spielberg was really good. Step above what he's been doing lately. 
And, of course, Bad Moms. I think this is the second time she's told me about Bad Moms. Bad Moms, huh? I've not seen it. I haven't either. It's not really a movie I would go see. But, you know, <laughs> Sajel's mentioned it twice. Hey, Maybe I should check it out. Hey, just live and love is what I say. <laughs> yes. Whatever floats your boat. If you like it, awesome That's what I say. I've got a whole ton here. And so let me start mentioning a few of these. Uh, Ginger wrote Wonder Woman. Uh, Tim uh, he wrote Rogue One. I had very low expectations because I hated TFA. I'm assuming that's The Force Awakens. It must be. But I loved it. Uh, Benjamin, Ben, my buddy Ben in the New England area wrote Argo. I thought it would be decent, but it was amazing. Uh, I agree. I like Argo quite a yeah. bit. Eric wrote Sing! Exclamation point. That would be the cartoon. Yes. My good friend Scott from North Carolina wrote Logan. Expecting the regular superhero movie, but was pleasantly surprised. Okay. Yeah, these are all good picks. So yeah. I don't disagree with any of them so far. My so I haven't seen Sing. Yeah, my buddy Don in Indiana wrote, uh, X-Men movies in general have exceeded my expectations. And I consider Don a fellow geek nerd aficionado. So interesting that he would say that. He's favorable on the X-Men series. Well, they're from Fox, and they're certainly better than the Fantastic Four movies that they've been putting out. Bill from Pennsylvania wrote, As It Is in Heaven. I'm not sure what that, if that's a movie or not. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. I'm at a loss there. So to each his own. Yeah. But I know Bill. He's, he's, he's my uh, hippie friend, so who knows, you know. <laughs> Uh, Wanima wrote, Baby Driver, great soundtrack and so much action. So I'm happy every time I hear someone new discovering Baby yes. Driver. Craig wrote, a good friend of mine here in Gehanna wrote, Legends of the Fall was exceeded his expectations. How about you? Do you have any more, Adam? Yeah, I got a couple here. Uh, Dave Evans, a friend from Cleveland, wrote Mad Max Fury Road, Edge of Tomorrow, which, yeah, I like that one too. That one surprised me. Uh, Prisoners and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Okay. Uh, Bill from Columbus wrote, Wonder Woman turned out to be a whole lot better than I expected. Tracy from Columbus wrote, Hidden Figures. Patrick from the New England area, New Hampshire area. Here we go, going way back on Golden Pond. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm curious. I'd do a whole episode on that. What were the expectations for on Golden Pond? Patrick, we want you to know what were your expectations and how it exceeded it. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Bev, Beverly from Pataskala wrote, Titanic. Uh, Derek, my, one of my old schoolmates, wrote Idiocracy, exceed yeah. his expectations. Uh, Jim, my good guy, my, my blah, blah, I can talk. Huh? My good buddy Jim from West Virginia wrote Kong Skull Island. I'm not normally a big King Kong fan, but thoroughly enjoyed this version and would watch it again. Stephanie wrote from uh, Ohio. The Postman, After Waterworld. Oh, no. After, <laughs> after Waterworld, I was a little worried. Laugh out loud. Is this Stephanie? Yes. Stephanie, if you're listening, we need to have a talk. <laughs> Postman's one of the few movies I almost walked out of. I've never, have never walked out of a movie. Postman was really close. I remember at the time thinking it wasn't that bad. I think I'm in Stephanie's camp. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I, I you know, we'll see. Uh, Cheryl from Ohio wrote The Shack, exceeded her expectations, which goes against the critics. But, you know, the popular thing on that's pretty high, which is surprising for me. Carly from Ohio wrote Trolls. I know Carly. This don't surprise me at all. She wrote Trolls. I really didn't want to see it, but loved it. Loved the music in it. Has she ever seen Troll 2? I don't know. 
It's a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> or Troll Hunter. <laughs> Troll Hunter, yeah, that's a good one. Troll rec- 2 is not good. Carly, I would recommend Troll Hunter. Yeah, it's stick really to good. Troll Hunter. Don't listen to me. Uh, my good buddy Val from North Carolina wrote Shaq and the Avengers. Both exceeded his expectations. My good buddy Jerry here in Columbus, who I do another podcast with. So, hey, Jerry. He wrote, the last movie was Get Out, and I agree. Until I saw this movie, Get Out far exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Uh, Beth from West Virginia. Oh, boy. <laughs> Arthur, Legend of the Sword. <sighs> Roger's not seen this movie. Cool new doing on the King Arthur story. <sighs> Beth no. from West Virginia liked King Arthur, Legend Beth, of the Sword. Thank you, but I disagree. <laughs> Oh, Becca wrote something borrowed. Aaron Signs was the last movie that Aaron, our guest uh, writer. Oh, yeah. She said Signs was the last movie that exceeded her expectations. And one of the last good M. Night Shyamalan movies. I agree as well. Sarah wrote X-Men Apocalypse exceeded her expectations. My buddy Rick from Pataskla wrote Jack the Giant Slayer. Really? That's exceeded his expectations. I even forgot that was made. That's uh, Brian Singer. Uh, my buddy Keith from Arkansas. We've got I've got friends all over the country. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Sling Blade and Dragonfly. I knew almost nothing about either of these movies when I went to the theater. I think Sling Blade is one of the top twenty films ever made, and Dragonfly was just a big nice surprise. All right, Jeff from Canada wrote The Shack. Ryan, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, and Ryan. Yes, you're right. Yep. We agree with you, Ryan. <laughs> and finally, my good buddy Benjamin from Georgia wrote uh, Her with Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. and 12 Angry Men, the 1957 version. That's your wheelhouse. That's that's, that's the my golden era. Benjamin, you're 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 hitting my buttons here, buddy. Close. I mean, that's late for you, but No, 50s are yeah, actually 12 Angry Men was great. Uh Oh, and then Ben, great suggestion. Ha ha. And a better question, Roger Leg. What movies let you down? <laughs> we want to be nice. We want to be nice. We want to be uplifting. Yeah, this was a segment that you're nicely surprised yeah. by these movies. Absolutely. So did you have any final ones, Adam? Uh, one I saved because I know he's lying. Uh, my buddy Chris from Columbus. You got trolled. Chris, are you trolling us, man? Said The Princess Diaries. <laughs> and if you know Chris, like I know Chris, that's not true. My 12-year-old daughter, when she was 12, would highly agree with him. <laughs> All right. Well, what do we have in coming attractions? Hey, again, thank you guys so much. We appreciate when you have Im- input. And I'd like to do this on, on a regular basis. We just forget. We should do this every we week. We should do this every week because, you know, we want you to feel like you're a part of this show. And eventually, we're going to start live streaming uh, so you can actually interact as we're broadcasting. But... uh uh, yeah, loved the loved the in- interaction. I think there's some great uh, movies that were listed there that you can go check out. So, coming attractions, Adam. What do we got? We are still headed into the very exciting part of the summer. Oh yes, we are. Next week alone, we have Valerian and Dunkirk. Oh, uh, both movies. I'll be in Tulsa. All my Tulsa friends that are listening out there, I know you. Some of you listen to this podcast. We might be making a late night trip to the movies after church. You did so in the far north. If church gets out early on Thursday night, we might be hitting the Cinemaplex and getting a midnight show. I remember you went in the blizzard to uh, John Wick. I did. 
Uh, week after that, we get Atomic. And, oh, and Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk oh, and Valerian oh, oh, next man. week. I am so looking. A plug again. Oh. If you're in Columbus, the only place you can see it in 70 millimeter. Yeah, I won't see it in Tulsa. I'm going to wait till okay. I come to Columbus we'll and see at it the in gateway. 70. I'm going to see it in 70 millimeter at the glorious gateway. Uh, week after that, we get Atomic Blonde. and which Which I don't know anything about, but. It looks intriguing, but I'm also afraid it's going to turn into Lucy and some of these other movies I haven't really liked. Salt. Remember Salt, that one with yes. Angelina and Julie? Yeah. So, but uh, I'm kind of, it looks interesting. I'm, we'll go see it. Same week, Ghost Story. Oh, David Lowry. I am so looking forward to it's Ghost such Story. A, it's Pete's Dragon, the guy that did the new Pete's yes. Dragon doing a ghost story. And I've been wanting to see this. For a long time. Since I saw the trailer back in episode four or five of this podcast, I have wanted to see Ghost Story. And there have been critics that have said this movie has devastated them. Okay, now I don't want to go see <laughs> so, Ghost Story. <laughs> Thanks, Adam, for that. It's fair warning. And then Come out uh, as a blubbering, bawling mess. <laughs> we'll go through it together. It'll be cathartic. Yes. Uh, the Unknown Quantity, Dark Tower. Yes. Will it be totally awesome and set up a, a long franchise to come? Or will it be a big, hot, great wall mess? Will be the golden compass all over again where we yes. get a movie to start a franchise that does not start the franchise. Well, thank you. that movie was terrible, Golden Compass. But anyway. I don't disagree. I'm just yeah. saying that it, it failed the launch. All right. So we have a, uh, just a great slate of movies coming up. Um and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, awesome. Anything else, Adam? As we wrap up? Uh, no. If you've seen War for the Planet of the Apes, go ahead and jump to our next episode. We're gonna do a spoiler cast where we can do an yes. in-depth review and, and spoil the movie. Absolutely. You're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll see you guys next time.